it's, it's like nothing else in the world. I never realized it when I was first born again, but I, after all these years I've studied and studied, you just think, oh my gosh, God, God is on your side all the way to give you, to give you favor, to give you finances, to give you everything that you need. It's, it's just super duper. Cooper. <laughs> I don't want to say. Okay, well, you can be seated. Okay, so what the Lord has been doing with this this morning, I, I just want to read you this, and this is more like about political, sort of, not really. It's about our country. You hear me say, this is Dutch Sheets, on given 15 that America shall be saved due to the fact that we consistently pick up new listeners and that most of you are not able to tune in or read the post every day, it occurred to me that some of you do not know where this phrase originated. The answer is very encouraging. How many people know Reinhard Bonnke? <laughs> he passed into heaven. He was the only German, and I'm pure German. <laughs> so evangelist, and, but he was in Africa. And millions and billions of people were saved and healed and miracles would happen. I mean, there's there's pictures of, like you can't, a sea of people coming to his crusades. But anyway, he passed on. Um, yeah, he was born, same year I was, 1940 until 2019. He was a German-American evangelist, principally known for his crusades throughout Africa. Millions of people came to Christ in his meetings, which were marked by great miracles. Later in his ministry, Bonnke became very burdened for America in 2013 because he saw that it was falling. Okay, he made this statement. God spoke to me that the time has come for a mighty wave of salvation to sweep the United States from city to city, from state to state, coast to coast. I've seen God shake whole nations in Africa. Nations I thought God had given up on suddenly were in the grip of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I came to the only conclusion one can come to. I have turned into an incurable believer that God can do the same thing in America that I have seen in Africa. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've witnessed, witnessed by the millions that this is the truth. And I will not join the choir of the prophets of doom and gloom. This is the day of salvation. Then in February, this it's the 15th, I think. Vonke uh, proclaimed at a two-day meeting in his hometown at Vero Beach, Florida, America shall be saved. Another great com confirmation came to me in 2018. We hosted a gathering in Washington, D.C. in February. It was called the turnaround. This was perhaps the most significant and powerful pray, prayer gathering I've ever participated in. Before the meeting ended, I was handed the following dream, which was given by Agina Golston. Um, and she often has dreams about the United States. I dreamed that two friends, fellow intercessors, my mom and dad, and I were walking down Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, DC. I knew the turnaround conference at the Trump Hotel <laughs> was ending, and this is a dream at that very moment. I turned and saw, saw a courier angel, courier angel, coming out of the hotel doors. He was carrying a scroll, not a huge scroll, but fairly large. 
His face was set toward the United States Capitol building and he headed immediately in that. Is anybody interested in this? Everybody's distracted. I don't know why. Okay, because you need, if you care, you know what? Get in the word and get in the Bible and worship the Lord on your own at home. Pray in the spirit. You got to stay full. When you don't stay full, nothing works. And you get dull and dull and you start going downhill. How do I know? I've done it. I've felt it. And it, you actually get, I actually got crabby. <laughs> and I could see, but sometimes it was because I was too busy with other stuff. We need help in this church. We need a lot of help. We really do. Um, because like I'm doing a whole bunch of jobs I shouldn't be doing uh, financially and, and I've got to get time in here plus there's other things but it's just that everybody needs to get involved in something and you need to respect what I'm saying sometimes God gave me this otherwise I would have gotten something for ties with money but you know the time is short I don't know how long I'm going to be around here and I'm trying to pull everything I can that I know. Why do ministers come in and say, Ricky Edwards, several years ago, he said, oh my gosh, you're high up there. <laughs> and I went, we are? <laughs> yeah, he said, you, you'd be surprised. I go to churches, they sit there like, Duh. they don't know what I'm talking about. He says, your church is advanced. You, you don't realize it. I didn't either, but I just poured into everything. I never even went to Bible college except online. <laughs> but you know what? But I studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied and studied. Now, I mean, what we're pouring forth. <laughs> okay, but anyway, the United States is going to get saved. The angel opened the scroll and said, and, the, and, and loudly and adamantly said, America shall be saved. Immediately a cloud. No doubt the glory of God came behind the angel and filled the room. Those who stood at the angel's entrance crumpled to their knees, weeping, overcome by the reality of God's presence. Some who had remained seated were now on their knees shouting, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Others with their hardened, hardened, hardened hearts remained seated. I knew judgment was beginning. And God's ruling authority was being established. Transformation and reformation were initiated. America's new path had begun. I had believed since 2000 that America will be saved. In spite of the filth, the apostasy in the church, the lies, the wicked people in government, revisionist history, lying educators, corrupt media, overwhelming debt, and the disconnection with our spiritual roots, I have confidence that America will be saved. I must see that when I read this dream, the faith of my heart penetrated to an even deeper level. America shall be saved through a great, mighty, unprecedented revival. And this revival will also produce a billion or more conversions to Christ worldwide. My faith for this is not anchored in any party, not the Republican Party, not Donald Trump, not the preachers, not the America Church, or any other human agency. My faith is anchored in the passionate love 
the unlimited power and the fierce determination of an all-wise God was determined this will happen and it will. Do not listen to the doubters and don't be moved. What you see around you, no revival I know of in history occurred when things look good spiritually or morally. Revival isn't needed then. It's not. The first great awakening came when America was at a low point every time there's been a war. Like the Civil War was blue, you know? And then assassinations and all that stuff. So we need to cry out for revival. And, and we, I mean, the intercessors, pray, they pray for it every single week, twice a week. Every time I, I've been in prayer meetings with Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth, the one went, went up to heaven. I've been in prayer meetings with him, and the only thing he ever, the very first thing he said was, was Zechariah 10.1. <laughs> Christ, you know, to, to pour out the rain in the time of the latter rain. And we're in the latter, latter, latter rain. I never thought I'd be alive at this time. I didn't. So you need to take this seriously, but you need to pray for it. Pray for revival every single time you pray. Pray for revival. Okay, so we're going <laughs> to, that isn't anything to do with tithes and offerings, but we're going to take up tithes and offerings. Sorry I got that, but you, you, I'm not really sorry because it's from the Spirit of God. You pay attention to God and God will pay attention to you when you're in trouble. And I am not kidding. This is real. He is absolutely real in this whole arena. And we need to give him the respect and the honor that he deserves. Because he gives me stuff. Okay, how long have I been in the ministry? 42 years. <laughs> and I start ministering immediately. Immediately when I was born again. Didn't even know what I was doing. But there wasn't too many people that wanted the, that job. <laughs> not, not as a pastor. That was like 12 years, 14 years, 14 years later. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Your word never returns void, Lord, but shall accomplish what we please and prosper. Do way far over and above all that we ask or think in the thing for which we sent it. So, Father God, I just thank you. And I, the Lord is telling me to tell you to plant this as a seed. Now, your tithes are your tithes. I always give above the tithes. And that's the part of the offering. You give it for your children to be saved, for your body to be healed, for different things that you need in your life, a job, a car, whatever, marriage to be healed, whatever, children to be found that have gone. So, Father, I thank you. We plant this into the kingdom of God. And we honor you and worship you, Lord God, with our finances. That which means way too much to too many people. Lord, you should come first place. You are first place in our lives, not our money. And Lord, I ask you to open up the eyes of the understanding to those who think that you are, but money really is first place. So Father, I thank you. You said 
You are our God, and when we make you God of our lives and of our finances, you supply all of our needs, all of our needs, our need for healing, our need for our children to return home, our need for whatever it is, according to your riches in the glory. And your riches in the glory are never ending. In the glory they are. In the glory. I thank you, Father, that we, you open up the eyes of people's understanding because we go. Our glory might be way down here, but we're going from glory to glory as we worship you, as we serve you, as we take this serious. And yet, have joy continually. <laughs> For you said that your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Okay, you can receive it. Maybe four. How many horses do you have with that mule? <laughs> it's not a real mule. <laughs> anyway, you all know that. You're modern. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Okay, you know, why don't you want to come up here and give your testimony? Um, I wish we could even show the pictures of the car. <laughs> she had a car accident a few weeks ago. Yep. That's what John will do if you'll draw near to him. Mm -hmm. Tell you that right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We just want to thank Wait, God uh, for his goodness yeah. and his love. I was just look, thinking about that beautiful song. It says how God is so faithful. And I always think about how he said he will never leave us. Never forsake us. Right. So my daughter Leah has something to tell you how God has kept her and how he's been with her. It's going to be kind of short, but I want to say how important, how important it is to be born again and have Jesus in your heart. Um, I was coming home a couple weeks ago and someone was running from the police and they hit two cars. My car was the second one. And... I just looked at my arm and um, I was still here. I thought I was not going to be here. And I just started calling on the name of Jesus and, you know, kind of emotional, but he delivered me from that. And I got shaken up, you know, and it's been, you know, it was a shake. And I went to, been to the doctors and everything, no broken bones or anything. But um, he's been, I've been standing on healing scriptures and he's healing me constantly i mean i feel it throughout the day yeah. healing and how important it is to pray in the spirit all the time yes, and is. speak the word of god yes. it's very important because i was on my bed on the fourth of july and i wasn't going to tell this part but i was on my bed almost two hours i could not move i was listening to worship music and uh -huh. praying in the spirit and just speaking scriptures and the holy god's presence was all over my whole body my whole entire body, my legs all the way down to here. I called Keith and Isaiah to come to the room because I didn't, you know, know what it was. I think he was refilling me, but it was all over my body. And all the spots on my body that were hurting, that's where I felt. That's where his presence, he was working on me. And um, I knew everything was going to be all right. I knew physically you could still feel the pain or discomfort, but I keep speaking the word of Come God on. over it over and, over. Yes. and um, just thoughts, you know, anxiety uh -huh. was trying to attack me too. Sure. And I keep speaking the word over it. Even at night, if I wake up, just speak yeah. the word of God over the, you know, the thoughts and everything because the enemy will try to remind you of this stuff and you have to 
beat him sure in the head with the word yes. until, <laughs> until he leaves. And he'll try to keep coming back, oh, yeah. but you just oh, yeah. keep beating him with the word. <laughs> it is written. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I want to let you know. Just um, use the word of God and always pray in the spirit because the spirit... We don't know what we want to pray, That's but right. the spirit of God inside you knows everything. And he, you could be praying, you know, I don't like weeds in my yard. He could be fixing your yard for you. Yes. You know, yes, he could be fixing um, the little things that you don't like. God can be fixing every little area. So even though you might think I'm praying in the spirit for this situation, God could be hitting like a hundred or a thousand situations when you pray in the spirit. So I just wanted to give that testimony. Just be strong and keep God in your heart and in your life. Amen. Amen. See, she just wanted me up here. She didn't need me to help her preach, did she? No, she was good. Wait. Okay. Okay, Usher, the Lord told me to lay hands on her. Do you know what? You got, there's, I've known this for long. You got, there's some kind of plan. You know that. You've come up here many times and there's a plan of God. I didn't plan on doing this at all, but the Lord told me to lay hands on her. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, Father God, I just thank you that the, that the perfect, (laughs) hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is a, good, a great God of joy. Thank you, Father, that the will and the plan of God will be accomplished in her life and that you'll make a way where there seems to be no way, Lord God, that she will fulfill the destiny that you have apportioned for her. And I thank you, Father, for the anointing on her in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, well, <laughs> glory to God. <laughs> Okay, well, today we are going to uh, have baptism. Um, Okay, so I want to explain baptism and and just some of the things about it. But what baptism means, means total immersion. (laughs) To plunge, it means completely covered. It's like taking a piece of cloth that you are going to die, and if you don't immerse it, you're not going to get all the thing. Now, I don't, I'm not talking about, when we say that, we're not talking about, because there's conflict, like, well, they don't, they don't put the head under, and that wasn't baptized. That's all ritual. That's all in the natural. What, what God, okay, the second, let me say this first. There's different kinds of baptisms in the Bible. The first one was John the Baptist was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. That was important. But if, if the people that were baptized by John had to be rebaptized, and that's in the, even in the book of Acts, because Jesus hadn't come yet, all right, or died on the cross. Okay, then the other one is the second you're born again. You, okay, your spirit's black, your father, I'm sorry, but Jesus said it, your father is the devil. (laughs) I was there too. I didn't get born again until I was like 39 or 40. (laughs) Okay, so your father, he said to the Pharisees, to the priests, to the pastors of the day in Jerusalem, he said, your father is the devil. (laughs) And Jesus said the words, but um, okay, but the second that you are born again, and it just 
it's so instant, faster than that. If you mean it in your heart and say it with your mouth, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. But you've got to mean it. And God knows the difference if you meant it. Okay. All right. So what, what happens is in the spirit realm, you are immersed into the body of Christ. And the body of Christ isn't everybody that goes to church. See, and I was in a denomination. I know this stuff because I was back there, and now I'm here. 40 years that way, 40 years, more than 40 years this way. So you start to understand totally. It is all those who are born again. And I've, you know, well, spirit-filled helps a lot. But we are spirit-filled church. But anyway born again and that is the real church throughout the world of those that's our brothers and sisters in Christ and there are different churches in different places so okay you are immersed into the body of Christ and in Corinthians it talks about different body parts that that you're some of us may be a finger this finger was injured and it hurts sometimes when I touch stuff and you, you know what? It counts. It counts huge. Horse stepped on my toe. I've said all this say then it came out this way several years later. <laughs> and I had to have it rebroken and, and made straight because I couldn't even get my tennis shoes on anymore. And um, so your little toe is very important. It even balances your body. So I'm talking, it doesn't make any difference. Some people... I mean, think you have to have a big position. Your big, biggest position is cleaning the toilets. God counts that just as much as somebody who preaches from the pulpit. But we all have a part, and we're all part. Some of us are the arms, the legs, the hands, the feet, the, the fingers, the toes, the, the hips, the, the whole part, the back. And there's when people aren't taking their place or, or coming into it, there's pieces missing. And your body hurts when there's parts missing or in trouble. You know what I mean? Okay, I wanted to explain that because you are immersed in the spirit realm into the body of Christ. In the spirit, that's another kind. Then there's water baptism like we're talking today. And I, I will explain that in detail. And then there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay. So, what is baptism? It's an outward act to show the saints in heaven who can see us when we do good things and the angels of God and the demons on the earth that your life now belongs to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> and you are now a citizen of heaven, a place that will never, ever change. Put up Mark 16, uh, verses 15 and 16. It says, now, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay. And he that, now, get this. Okay. He that believes... This is out of King James. Yes. He that believes. Come on. Huh. Amen. It says believes first. Okay. 
I know. Okay, over there. It's, okay, he that believes. Believes comes first. Then baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not. Now look at this. This is the word of God. It's forever settled in heaven. He that believes not shall be damned. I didn't say it. God said it. It's huge. Okay, so 39 years I went to church. Nobody told me I had to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized as a baby. Now let me tell you something. There are many examples. Well, okay. In the beginning of the church, in the book of Acts, let's do this first. Baptism was an expected part of the believer. What they did was believe, receive Jesus, baptized immediately. That's why believe, be baptized. People say, well, I don't, I'm probably not good enough to get... That is, no, no, you're supposed to believe and be baptized. Because you're following what Jesus did. He was baptized by John the Baptist. So, now there's many examples in the book of Acts. Um, I'll give you a couple... Better just do what I have so many notes that I can't possibly get through. Um, in Acts 2, um, especially verse 38, there were actually, that's when Peter preached, there were 3,000 souls saved. Can you imagine baptizing 3,000 people? And they were all baptized. And Peter considered it something to be done at conversion. There's no requirement other than you receive Jesus. A call to faith, but you believed it. You really believed it. You didn't just do it to, to make somebody else happy. Don't do that. It, 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 it's not real. It's got to be in the heart, and you say it with the mouth. And verse 41 of that whole thing says, they received the word by faith, and then they were baptized. Now, human beings want to take God's grace and make a new law to go with it a lot of times. And some have made water baptism a requirement for salvation. That's the same as adding works to faith and making faith void. Where I came from, you had to do this and you had to do that. And that's, it's mostly requirements. And I began to think, well... If I, I say this thing for six weeks, this prayer, you're assured of heaven. But then they start all over again. And I was going, when does it end? <laughs> See, either faith in God saves you or not. Other, others want to have a list of requirements. They want to have hurdles to be, to be cleared before a convert is baptized. But it's not that. It's not that. Um, in... Uh, Acts 12, I'll just, these are two examples in the book of Acts. Somebody actually went to some people, uh, one of the disciples, and this was another thing. You can be in the ministry of helps. There are people, they started to get persecuted in Jerusalem because they were Christians, and uh, it was called the diaspora. They all had to leave Jerusalem because Herod was killing them. I don't know if it was Herod or who it was, but at that time, but he was killing them all. And um, so they all dispersed. And when they dispersed, they start preaching the gospel wherever they were. And, and they were, they were the ministry of helps that one was, was actually just, I mean, 
Okay, let me tell you this. You know what a deacon is? A helper in the church. That is the definition of a deacon. Diaconate in the Greek. It's in the Greek. So you're cleaning the toilets, you're a deacon. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> and he went out and he went to this one place where there was a bunch of witchcraft. It was the Samaritans. There was witchcraft and stuff. They burned, you know what? And he got, um, he got all these people born again. And then he called Peter, though, to come to that town and he got him filled with the Spirit. Then there's another one in Acts 10, and that was the first time that, um, can I have a handkerchief? <laughs> or just give me that Kleenex, yeah. Just one. Don't give me two because I don't need two. <laughs> there's two in here, John. <laughs> My mom and dad, I was raised when they were <laughs> conservative. <laughs> no, okay, um. The first time, okay, all of this born-again stuff was for the Jewish people at first. And then in Acts 10, the first Gentile. And he was a man who was rich, but he was, gave alms to the poor all the time in Acts 10. And um, let's see, it was Peter had a vision, and then an angel appeared to this guy because he would give money to the poor all the time. And um, an angel actually visited him and told him to contact Peter. And so Peter went there. That was the first time the Jewish people went into a Gentile house. And he preached to his whole family. And while he was preaching, they got born again. But not only that, they got filled with the Spirit without Peter doing nothing but preaching. And they started speaking in tongues. They actually started giving prophecies and everything. Right there, his whole family sitting there. So you can be spirit-filled and then get. In fact, somebody in here is spirit-filled and they're going to get baptized. <laughs> yeah, they got spirit-filled first. So did I. I didn't even know what it was. So I knew it was from the Lord. I was just worshiping the Lord. Okay, now let me say there's stuff in the book of Acts. There's a lot more examples. Okay, infant baptism. The parents are told that when a child is baptized, this is a guarantee of entry into heaven. I was baptized as a baby, like eight days old or something like that. And they say, um, say this at funerals too. And I'm just going to be honest, it's error. And it's kind of dangerous <laughs> because it's deception. The idea that a child that's a baby that doesn't know anything enters into a covenant with God because a minister sprinkled or doused him with water completely misses the idea of being born again or the new birth. Totally misses the idea. Our life in God in the new covenant does not begin until we are converted or born again or receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. See, God did all the work through Jesus, and it's not by our good works. Doesn't work. See, he invited us to enter his rest by faith. And when we agree it, we receive it, a new life begins. 
And we can be baptized, though, as a sign of covenant to show the demons of hell we belong to, to show the angels, to show the saints in heaven. I could give you a scripture that talks about how the saints are like an, a, grand, a grandstand. And we are called saints. You don't have to be canonized. You don't have to be canonized. We're saints once we become born again. <laughs> and in Hebrews, it talks about how they're like in a grandstand watching us. Only the good things that we do. Okay. So, now this is all scriptural, and I can, you know, give me the scripture for <laughs> the other stuff. You've got to find scripture that proves this stuff. Okay, it's a sign of covenant. And baptizing infants gives a false sense of security. Um, actually, we dedicate them here. And we, I believe in dedication. So you come away believing salvation has come to a child because of a ritual. And then when they grow up, they think they're born again. And then later, it's, it's taught to the child who sees no need to seek a relationship with God for himself. That same thing happened to me. So when I hear, hear someone, you know, respond to a question about their condition, like you might ask, uh, have you ever, have you ever been, um, received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they'll say, I was baptized when I was a baby. I know immediately they don't know what I'm talking about. Or this is another one I've heard a lot. I've been baptized into membership in a church. No, you have to receive, receive. You have to believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. Really believe it in your heart. Um, and I know this because, okay, so even at my sister's funeral, not that long ago, but two of my sister's funerals, uh, they said, they said, well, she was baptized when she was a baby, so she's up in heaven. And I thought, no, she's up in heaven because I led her to the Lord. <laughs> not very, you know, right before she died. So anyway, see, they set their hope of salvation in a ritual performed by so-called holy people in their infancy. And vital faith says he's the one who does it. I give him all the credit. Okay, you can put Galatians 3, 2 up if you want. Um, well, I'm just going to save time here. Um, it says, let this is what it says. The Galatians were kind of turning. Yeah. And um, they said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Okay. In fact, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all come to live in you. Okay. Did you receive the Holy Spirit as a result of obeying the law? Galatians 3, 2. And doing its works? Or was it by hearing the message of the gospel and believing it? The good news. That's it. Okay. Was it from observing a law of rituals? Or from a message of faith? Faith believes without seeing. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith does not go by the senses. doesn't go by what we see, feel, hear, taste, or touch. It's the word of God. Does water save you or faith in Christ? Okay, we should follow the example of Jesus and do it in faith. Jesus was baptized. Okay, it's an act of obedience. And when obedience proceeds from faith, you can expect great things. You can expect miracles. Baptism isn't just a ritual. It's a step of faith and obedience. Okay, I got so many little little things on the side here. Um, Okay, go to Galatians 2.20 on that, on the Amplified. Yeah, in the Amplified. And then, yeah. Okay, I love this scripture. You know what? And, it, I, and this is all in Romans, too. And I don't know how much I'll give you on all this, but I must have 15 pages of notes, but I can't. <laughs> uh, okay. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. You were on the cross. You know what? He was actually crucified on that cross before the foundations of the world. It says that in the Bible. Before he even formed, formed the earth. And see, Isaiah talks about it. Isaiah had a vision of it. And talks about it in Isaiah 53. But when you were there, he's, did Jesus died for everybody. He didn't miss anybody. But the whole thing is you have to receive him. You have to want him. Nobody told me that. That's so important. See, and there are some people who reject him. And it, it's, it's a shame, but he died for everyone on the cross. He didn't pick, say, oh, I don't think I want Ken Hartman. Eh. No, but he's, how did he know? How do you know that, you know, it says you're like, we're almost like preordained because he saw what we were going to do. He saw our hearts. But see, you have a free will. Okay, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. <laughs> Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now put uh, verse 21 in the King James. So, uh, amplified's too amplified. <laughs> when you don't know this or don't do it, you're Look at that. It says you frustrate the grace of God. I, I can see how frustrated he'd be. It's like if you saved all your money and got your child a Lamborghini and they refused it. You hurt? He, it hurts him. He died and was tortured on that cross. Not, I mean, I saw all that. And when I went to church, they celebrated. I didn't even know why, though. You know, I know he took our sins, but you got to, as soon as you take him in and say, I want you, Lord. And the one who led me to the Lord was my own daughter because somebody at high school was, was, uh, was, you know, 
talking to her, and that teacher got fired, but went to Christ for the Nations and is a missionary. So, <laughs> okay, so, so let's see, where am I? Um, okay, no, okay, do not frustrate the grace of God. You know, everything that Jesus did on the cross, we're frustrating him, even healing, when we don't receive it and believe it. You're frust I mean, I'd be frustrated if I went through all that torture and all that hell, and then people didn't be, you know why? But it's a lack of knowledge of reading the Bible. And as soon as you get born again, you have got to get in this Bible, or you do not know what this all involves. Okay, put Romans 6, um, verse 3, I think 3 through 8, yeah. So, okay, actually when you get baptized, what, what is, what's going on here is you are immersed in the water, okay, the, you know, you hold your nose <laughs> and you go backwards in the water and immersed in the some people like Corbin, they'll probably hold down. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you got to have a laugh once in a while. <laughs> but when you go under the water, it is representing that you share in the death of Christ. You died. When you come back up, you were resurrected with him. And the Bible actually says that. That you were, you died with him on the cross. He saw you. <laughs> Took me 40 years. <laughs> okay. All right. So next, you're buried with him. What's the purpose? Your old life must be buried. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that, behold, any man who is in Christ, that means they are born again is a new creation, a new creation in Christ, even if they're a hundred years old. Let me just intersperse this. If they're a hundred years old, they might not be able to be baptized, but they'll still go to heaven. I mean, they could be dying in a, in a nursing home bed and somebody leads them to the Lord. People, yeah, like Sarah, she's probably led a lot of people to the Lord. I know, you know, that, that kind of thing, and policemen, and I know policemen who have born-again spirit-filled will lead people to the Lord when they're dying of drugs. I mean, but any man who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things in his spirit man, in his heart, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So our steps are now being ordered and directed by a new life within us. And we're living in a different realm, a new kingdom. This is another thing. Oh, I tell you what, that kingdom is governed by the law of life. Life, life, not a death cycle of hell on earth. A law of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free of the law of sin and death. You know why he took all your sins, no matter how bad it was if you murdered somebody, is are forgiven. As soon as you become born again, 
All the past is forgotten. However, if you sin in the future, you can go to God, and that's in 1 John 1, 9, and you should say, God, I goofed up last night and committed adultery. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. But I didn't know. <laughs> but, but you, but you, no matter how bad it is, you say it. He saw it anyway. He saw it way back. But you, you, you have to say, and he, it says, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful. He is just to forgive you after you're a Christian and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you're restored just like that. And do it by faith. I, sometimes I've been in condemnation because I was taught condemnation a lot. But you, anyway. Okay, yeah, I'm made free. <laughs> Set free. Okay, but your steps are ordered. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free of the law of sin and death. And when, when you offer yourself for baptism, you're saying, I offer myself to die and be raised with Jesus. What are you dying to? Your former sins, the ways of the world. You got to die to them. Okay. So baptism service is not a ritual marking our, our, our entry into membership in an organization or being assured of heaven. It is, it is, it is. The public celebration of the death of the sinner. And the birth of a new body part in Jesus. A new body part in Jesus. You know what? <laughs> There's so much to this. It said, you are showing the world and the demons you belong to Christ Jesus and the kingdom of God. And from the moment you get up out of the water, you say, I am dead to sin. And that represents our resurrection, as I said, and you're alive to God. So you're alive to God even though when you got born again. And you're the righteousness of God. And this always gets to me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, it says, He became sin for me, even though he never knew any sin. He took all my sins on him. And he says, here, give me your sins, Jackie. Give me your sins, Anita. Give me your sins, Corbett. <laughs> and I'll give you my righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. And see, now you have the power from the Holy Spirit to walk in newness of life. You have the power. Oh, I just can't get rid of this drugs. I can't get rid of the alcohol. I can't. Yes, you can. You've got a new power inside of you. If, if you're a born again, just by being born again. <laughs> See, you're, it actually says you're dead to sin and alive to God. Did you ever put up Romans 6? Yeah. Okay. I know, and I keep going. You can put it back up there. Okay. You're more alert to the voice of the good shepherd. You hear it, you know, it comes out of here. It's not up here. Mm -mm. I'm able to listen to his voice because now he lives in me. And, the, and he directs you by the spirit. He might tell you, don't go that way. You're going to run into a car accident. 
And he's done that many times. But keep your heart tender. It is, it's my job, not my job, but once it's your job to watch over yourself and to guard your heart. Guard what? Guard what you listen to. Keep that up there though. On Romans, okay. Guard what you watch, what you listen to, what you say, who you hang around, where you go. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep, which means guard your heart above anything that you guard. Why? Because it, the, the decisions of life come out of your heart. And you're going to make the wrong decision if you start sinning. Because your, your heart becomes hardened. And when, even when the preaching of the word is, this is like rain. Right now, the preaching of the word is watering, but your heart is like putting a seed in hard ground in the garden. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, grow or get germinate. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let me read it. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk, walk in the newness of your life. Next verse. For if we have been planted together, planted in the likeness of his death, we're also going to be planted in the likeness of his resurrection. He rose from the dead. Miracle. And he was beaten to pieces. So a lot of healing had to go on. He was a real man just like us when he walked the earth. People think he was like, just like us, like uh, born again, we've got Jesus living. He, he heard the voice of God leading him. He was a man born of a virgin, real man, just like us. He gave, it actually says in Philippians, he gave away all his powers. It says, all this is in the Bible, or I would not preach it. I go strictly by the word of God. I'm telling you. If our, okay, go ahead. Six. Knowing this, that your old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we will not serve sin. You don't have to serve sin anymore. You've got more power to avoid it. Okay. For he that is dead is free from sin. Does a dead man sin? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> okay. There's, there's another scripture that in Colossians, <laughs> it says, I am dead. <laughs> Somebody said, what? <laughs> dead to sin. Okay. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we're also alive with him. I'm going to say alive with them. Okay. So, I mean, all of this is in the word. There's so much more in Romans. Okay. But I'm going to go on with this. And some people think, ah, it's not going to hurt me if I drink a little alcohol again, or if I smoke a joint or a reefer, or if I fornicate. Fornication is not being married and having sex before marriage. Uh, adultery is you're married and having sex with somebody else. I'm going to be blunt. 
Because these are things that the whole world, practically the school kids think that you're supposed to live with somebody so you can figure out if you're supposed to keep with them. You are not. No. Gossip is a sin. What you might be something you're listening to, telling immoral stories. You know, each time you know that you sin, the soil of your heart becomes more hardened. And when you hear the word, which is the seed, which is you're hearing it right now, it is implanted as deeply, like I said. But the good news is you can repent. First John 1, not, you can repent. You can be doing the worst thing in the world. Okay, Ted Bundy. He murdered 25, raped and murdered 25 women. And, um, and he tortured them and then cut them up in pieces and put them in a freezer. But he went to death row. They caught him. He went to death row and he became a Christian. And Ken and I were in prison ministry for seven years. And I, I mean, that's one of the best places because you're, you think, oh, get him out of prison, get him out. If, if they're really guilty of something, they're going to get preached to because there are all kinds of people going up into the prison. And um, that's, wow. <laughs> yeah, there's many people that were on death row and became Christians. Uh, and they're up in heaven. Whereas the goody two-shoes who was just doing work and never received Jesus, they might go down to hell. That's why we got to tell them. Because there's people die from lack of knowledge. But regularly, when you're a Christian, judge yourself at the communion table. Next week, we'll have communion. And, re and repent. See, unforgiveness for others is a biggie. Unforgiveness for yourself. Having a harsh attitude, not walking in love with others, lack of faith and trust in God, anger, fear, worry, worry, because you're not trusting God, unbelief. I'll tell you, there, there's, you know what, all these clutter your heart, like if you just throw everything in the closet on the floor. It's a bunch of clutter and you don't know where anything is. Or you take all your tools and just throw them, throw them, throw them, throw them, throw them. You can't even walk through anything. It's clutter, but our hearts can actually get cluttered and it stops you from sensing or hearing your master and hearing his voice and being sensitive to it. Okay. So, uh, you have the ability and you can prevent sin from ruling and reigning on the throne because its power was broken when you died yes. with Christ, when you yes. got born again. Yes. But see, this is all a symbolism, this yeah. baptism. Right. Okay, it's symbolism though. Right. So if you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you died and you rose with him. And you're a new, a new creature living in a new kingdom. Okay, I never explained that before. I love this. In Daniel, it talks about all the kingdoms of the earth. And they're all going to be, they're going to be gone. 
in this world on the earth, but you are actually in the kingdom of God. And I can prove it. Colossians 1.13 said, and it doesn't say about being, as soon as you are born again, you are translated, <laughs> conveyed, a conveyor belt, <laughs> from this kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear son. And it is a real kingdom. It is the kingdom of heaven. And it says you are now walking in that kingdom, although you are walking on the earth. And Psalm 23 says that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and a shadow never hurts you, but you know what that shadow of death is? It's the earth. And it is, you know that. There's a lot of stuff going on in the earth. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, you are now a citizen, in fact, put up there, Philippians 3.20, out of the Amplified. You are actually, a, your citizenship is in heaven. It's that the Bible says all of this. But see, I start studying this out, and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. But these are things that I never knew, and I feel like they're very significant. People don't know this. You're a citizen of heaven. You have citizenship by being born again. No, uh, no the Amplified. Amplified says it much better. Okay. So, but we are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, which is in heaven. And from it, we earnestly and patiently await the coming for our Lord Jesus Christ to come and get us. <laughs> anyway, you are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. If you are born again, it, it's wonderful. <laughs> and then Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3 says we are blessed already because you're a citizen of heaven with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. In other words, and there's another translation called the Norley translation, and it says that everything that heaven already enjoys is ours. Not that we're enjoying it all the time. We've got to believe it and receive it. Like, there's, there's just so much. So then one day I thought, oh, I learned, you know, I called it the Our Father, but it was the Lord's Prayer. And in, in it, it says, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And I went, I used to own that by heart and say it all the time, but I never thought of that. So we can have the same thing. You know, it's just a matter of getting to know him, getting to know the word of God. See, you're a new creation living in a new kingdom with a new king. You're a citizen of a new country, the kingdom of heaven. And according to the book of Daniel, all the kingdoms of the earth will pass away, but not this one. You are more alert to God. You're more sensitive and you're not subject to sin. And when sin attempts to be king and rule, you have the power and the grace to say no. You're loaded with grace. And you know what? Now, when, when we get this born again, the reason is that we, we will be used on the earth as an instrument in the construction of, okay, well, I've said this at a funeral, or I say that at funerals. There's only two kingdoms on the earth. 
the kingdom of the devil and the kingdom of God. That's why all of them are going to pass away. So which one do you want to be used by? <laughs> if you yield to sin, you are actually a tool to build Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. It's a truth. <laughs> See, did, I actually put a little note there because I uh, watched this and they proved it. Did you know that the, that the earth actually cracked? And that's why we have earthquakes and there's fish, fissures in the, underneath the earth because of the sin of man. It's because of sin. It was perfect at first. Okay, so what we need to do when we're on the earth is yield to God to be a tool in the kingdom of light. And you know what? This could be a big key to controlling bad habits. The author of addictions is Satan. And don't offer him a, your body to do that. Okay, what's your scripture here? James 4, 7. It says, Yeah. Right, okay. So, submit, another word for submit means to yield. Who are you going to yield yourself to? Somebody who wants you to continue your habits from the past, yielding, doing drugs, doing this, doing that. You know what I mean? It actually says that. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will run. He'll flee. He will flee away from you. So that's that same thing. You surrender to God. You don't have to be some goody to you. You're happier. Do you know what the kingdom of God, which you're living in, if you're born again, is the kingdom. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness. It's peace, peace, no matter what's going on and joy and the Holy Ghost. That's some fruity person who's, you got to do this. That was the Pharisees. They were under law and they were mean, but I am going to tell you the truth about sin. In a kind way, would you, would you tell your little child, don't cross the street on Bell Street by Village Inn, where the stoplights are, when a car and trucks are coming? Yeah. Oh, just walk across the street, even though the light's red. <laughs> no, you t this is what we do. We want to tell you what the thing is that's going to open the door to the devil. God is a good God. He does not do bad things. He doesn't kill people. He doesn't make them be born sick and, and crippled babies. No, there's something in that background that was a curse that, you know, you're, you're like they call, you know, the generational curses. Can, you know, there's people way back in your background that have done, may have done stuff. You know what? But God can heal. God's a healer, too. Okay. So, um, where was I? <laughs> you know what? And actually, I had verses for all this. If you continue reading in Romans 6, there's a lot in Romans 6. But we can't go through all of that today. All right? So, the Holy Spirit 
Even in verse 14 of Romans 6, he says, Sin shall not have no longer be your master or have dominion over you. Sin never again has to be your Lord. And if it is, oh man, I have to repent. <laughs> repent. Just like that. Jesus is your Lord because of his amazing grace. Poured on not your strong will or your good character. Oh boy. Hmm. Can I get it through all this? <laughs> okay, where do I end it, Lord? <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay, the Lord, I, I guess I'll say it. The Lord Jesus Christ sits in a flesh and bone body. His blood, okay, he sits at the right hand of the Father in a flesh and bone body, and his Blood is on the mercy seat. And you know what? Ephesians 2, 6 says, when you are born again, you are sitting at the right hand of the Father in Christ. And it's the highest place of authority in the universe. See, you, you're the ones who are supposed to take authority over the devil. I could just go into so much here. <laughs> But Jesus bears in his body eternally the marks of his covenant commitment to you. What is that? A covenant was sealed by cutting. See, and his scars. He still has the holes in his hands and always will. The hole in his side. The hole in his feet. He will. You always have that. Okay, and when we receive Jesus, our salvation is a result of our covenant. But I'm talking, it's a blood covenant. Ooh. And when you're, when receive this by faith, when you're baptized into Christ, you already are born again, but something happens in your heart. And it could be a peeling away or a paring away of the flesh, nature. There's a mark in your heart and the devil sees it. See, the Holy Spirit actually changes your heart to mark you eternally belonging to Christ. And the mark is there as a reminder that you are his. All you have to do is, hey, Dad, when, you know what, when you get tempted and tested by the enemy, <laughs> tell the devil, hey, look at the mark of my heart. <laughs> and see, we're in a blood covenant. If if we're born again in everything that Jesus has is ours and everything we had, which is <laughs> mostly sin, is his. But that's it. He took it. So when you, when you properly understand baptism, uh, it'll increase your faith in God's commitment to you. And you can come out of the water with a heart really soft, soft. Your heart's a garden. But if you plant seeds in it, like the word of God is a seed. Now it says that in the Bible. <laughs> in all the sower sows the seeds. There's three, three of the gospels it's in. And see, your heart is a garden. And it, that soft heart is soft to receive the word of God. And you grow. And you got to believe it by faith faith. You can, excessive flesh goes away. 
But this heart condition has to be maintained by regular self-examination and repentance. But honestly, you do. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will remind you of something. Hey, you put that person down to somebody else. You better repent. I mean, there's things. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Hagin, once he became born again, he used to swear all the time, but he quit. See, it, it, isn't it, don't, it's part of the world system. You don't want to get it back into that. So, you know, okay. Um, okay, everything Pastor Ike was talking about, was that just last week? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> anyway, and he always does all the in him stuff. You are in him. <laughs> I, I love, I mean, I'm bone of his bone. That's what the Bible says. I'm flesh of his flesh. I am one spirit with him. And in him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. There's this in him. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I mean, in him, in him, in him. It's loaded. It's loaded in this Bible. It's the, ah, boy. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at to skip a little bit. See, I, okay. When, like, a leader, like the tribes in the old, um, I don't know if there's still tribes in Africa. They would have marks on their body to show they were in the tribe. And that meant that they were in the lead. And they would actually do uh, drink blood to make a covenant with the leader. Well, see, our covenant leader is him. And I am in the Jesus tribe. And Jesus is my leader. <laughs> You're in the Jesus tribe. <laughs> I'm just going to say that much. And everything that is his is mine, and everything that is mine is his. <laughs> so, um, one, there's so many benefits. Psalm 103 tells you all those benefits. Just keep, I would say it every day if I were you. Psalm 91 is a protection psalm. <laughs> one of the benefits is the forgiveness of sins. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Just like somebody that would that works, and you get benefits from working. A, you know, vacation, pay, and all that stuff. He forgives. The first one is he forgives all mine iniquities. And he actually says he heals all my diseases. He redeemed. He rescued my life from destruction. And he crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercy. He satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like an eagle. I mean, it goes on. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for the oppressed. The opp you're oppressed if you're sick, you're depressed, you're hurt. You have all kinds of stuff. How God anointed... The I mean, it's just acts, Beautiful. you know, uh, 30, yeah, okay, please, <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but it throws me off, <laughs> so just, just, I know, you, you could preach 
<laughs> Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> it's cute. I'm glad I got an excited husband. Okay. But just, so, you know what? Acts 10.38, it says, how Jesus Christ, how Jesus was anointed by God the Father, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So oppression comes from the devil. Depression comes from the devil. But here's, okay, so we're no longer, you know, hoping to make heaven. We're see, this is another one. We're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. It says it in the Bible, Ephesians 2, 6. We're citizens of heaven. <laughs> we're partakers in the life of God. It actually says we have the DNA of Jesus. His will be done on this earth, in our lives. Healing is ours. Everything heaven enjoys is already ours. And you're so forgiven that the record of your offense from the time you got born again is gone. You know how they look up in the records to see if somebody, uh, you know, at the police station, uh, does he have a past, you know, with us? No, there's no record. <laughs> and if the devil reminds you of it, tell him to get out. He'll try to play DVDs to you of your past, what you did wrong. <laughs> that law that, was that accused you was nailed to the cross. It even says that in Colossians, that in the Old Testament, they, when a law was, was done away with, they nailed it to a tree. Jesus took all the law that was against us and nailed, he nailed himself to the tree. You know what? Everything that you're accused of is gone. And it's, it's all your records are erased. He forged the way. Now, if you sin again, though, you still have to repent, though, <laughs> after that. Okay. But your past is gone. Okay. He forged the way for you and broke through demonic opposition in the heavenlies. And now you have access, actually, to your daddy God, the Father God's throne of grace. Because you are in him. You're in him. In, um, is it, uh, it says that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit actually come to live in you. Isn't that something? Oh, the Trinity lives in me. Okay, no man, no denomination, no religious system can stand as your judge. No act or ritual payment or membership or religious observant can make you more complete. You are in him because you received him as your Lord and Savior, and you are complete. Actually, put up Colossians 2, 9 and 10, because this is the confidence and insurance. It's right there in the Bible. You know, Galatians 3, there's more in there. Okay, got it? Uh, For in him the fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. The next one. Verse 10. And you are in him, made full, and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, the Father, the Son. This is the Bible. <laughs> yeah. 
and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic or demonic principality in power. But he's in you. So the day of your baptism is a day of changing garments or just celebrating it. You put away the old rags of self-righteousness and don the, gar the, the garb of Christ's righteousness. You put on Christ. Okay. Okay. In Rome, when someone was adopted, this is another scripture, it says you are adopted. I, even if you're for 200 years old, you are adopted by Christ as soon as you are born again. You put on the coat in Rome. They used to, okay, putting on the coat of a new adopted family was an act that marked you when you got adopted. An adopted son took off his old coat and put on the new coat of his new father. And when he put on the new coat, the father, they actually would have a ritual. They would say, this son is now mine, or this daughter is now mine. Okay, this was way back. It was a big deal. I thought about when I was a kid. I was born in 1940. And I can remember when I went to kindergarten, and I came from a little town, and there would be gossip about children that were adopted. And if you've ever even seen cowboy stories, they were treated badly. If they were in an orphanage, and their, their parents might have died from, from scarlet fever or, you know, some disease, and they couldn't help it. And, you know, they would think of them as lower. Had you ever countered that? You see? But do you see? Ooh, that just gives me chills. And maybe, see, the devil start doing that. But way back in Rome, they thought it was wonderful. But I can remember going to kindergarten, and these kids were making fun of this little girl. And I felt so sorry. I started to cry with her. And I took her home. <laughs> I went to half a day of school. And then another time, there was a, um, a little, another little girl. And her, her, um, her dad was an alcoholic. And they were all making fun of her. And they were really poor because of that. And I took her home too. <laughs> but see, that mercy, I mean, that just made, to this day, it makes me so mad. That uh, injustice used to make me mad when I was a little kid. No, some people can't help it. You know, that's awful. And some of the, oh, that's why the injustice against black people and different oh that makes me so angry and it did when I was a little kid already and I didn't even there was never even saw anybody <laughs> you know I was a little well it did boy I, I just thought ugh um mm. anyway <laughs> we won't go into that but your life is no longer any business of the devil and his crew they're having a funeral <laughs> while the kingdom of God is joining your birthday party. Because you are now co-equal with the saints and a member of the king of all kings, family. And there's no respect of persons in the kingdom of God. We all stand equal before him. You're valued and a valuable member of the family of God. And I don't care if the biggest preacher in the whole world 
He is no better than someone that doesn't get credit for nothing and they're cleaning the toilets <laughs> or whatever. All things by which the world judges people are lost in the glory of your new coat. And you know what that coat is? It's a coat of righteousness. You put on Christ and he looks good on you. <laughs> All the blessings of the covenant you receive an equal share with all his other kids. You don't have to divide it up. See, so baptism is a good time to lose your sense of inferiority. too, Low self-esteem, fear before other people. You put on Christ. That was the end, yes. I thought, well, I do have more notes, but I'm not going to give them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So, amen. <laughs> and, you know, getting born again is so easy. And I'm sure um, you, you just ask Jesus into your heart. You can do it privately. But then you go tell somebody. But you can say, Jesus, come into my heart. You know, Gloria Copeland... <laughs> Big ministry. She got she got born again before um, before her husband Kenneth, and um, in the sixties, yeah. And um, Kenneth's mother would always give him a Bible <laughs> for his birthday. Every birthday he'd get a Bible, <laughs> and she wrote something in his Bible. And one day Gloria was alone, and he kind of knew about it because he went to church went to a Baptist church and they told about being being saved but he, he was just in the world <laughs> you know flesh took him over and one day she looked in his Bible and then all she said to the Lord was Lord if you could do anything with my life take it that's all she said and she got born again <laughs> and about a week later he did too because the Lord was dealing with him so, I mean, it's so simple. Yeah. And you just have to mean it yeah. in here. Yeah. You know, you can't just say it because you want to get, somebody wanted to get rid of you. No. <laughs> or you wanted to get rid of them, you know. <laughs> we used to knock on doors. And I can remember one lady was really interested. And her dad, he says, who do you think you are, God? And he said, slam that door. And she was scared. And she, she, she shut the door on us. But she ran around to the back. And she says, please, please tell me, what do I have to do? Isn't that something? I'll never forget that. I'd tell you where it was at in Fremont. But we used to do a lot of stuff, knocking on doors, going around the city praying, and just saying it like in Joshua 1. Every place on which our foot has tread has been given unto us. I swear, like I said, that's why Lonnie and Sonia are here, because we went to Midland College and did it. And not only that, we go to the police station, and he's a policeman. <laughs> of course, he's in the sheriff department. But, that, but just, just different things that I've seen. You know, strip joints all went out of Fremont, because we walked around him, and Prayed in the spirit. They all left. Tony tells me there were five of them. That one I didn't know about. Someplace way out in the country. 
that. Remember the bouncer saw me in the back? <laughs> they had cameras back there, and I was all alone. He was like six foot five, and I was five foot. <laughs> but, you know, this is all real. And our life has changed. God is, whoo, thank God. Thank God, thank God. Because we were, he was 38, and I was 40, almost 40. Um, yep. It, it's, it's a wonderful life. Sure, there's things that happen, and you feel bad. But all you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart and meet it. Be my Lord and Savior. And all of this happens. But I will, I mean, and some people may never get baptized. Because, like I said, they're in a nursing home and dying. But it's the best thing you can do is get them born again before. Because there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of God. So, Father God, we just thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that all the fruit will remain of the word of God this day. Lord God, and even sometimes we even need to renew ourselves and say, Jesus, I want you to take over my life. I want you to take it over. I've sort of backslid or done things that I shouldn't have done. And God, I know I can put my flesh under because you're inside of me to help me. So I want to renew my life with you, Lord God. So, uh, Lord, I know that you'll pour on the grace to help me to overcome those things of the flesh that try to inhibit me and stop me. And, Lord, right now, I just pray that you open up, though, the eyes of the understanding of every person here, as it says in Ephesians 1, 16, and flood their hearts with light that they truly might understand the word of God, that they might understand the gospel, Lord God. And as they read it, they'll see these things that I saw in it, Lord God. You just keep giving me revelation knowledge of what is important. Like, man, being a citizen, it's not just getting, saying something and, and, and then just living in the flesh, God. You help us to live good lives. And so, Father, I thank you. And you even care about our finances. You care about our bodies. You care about us so very, very much because we are your children. More than any mom or dad would ever care about their children or their grandchildren or their family. So we thank you. We praise you, Lord God, that this word will never return void, but will accomplish what we please and even prosper do way far over and above all that we even ask or think in the thing for which we sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so now we are to any instructions. Ron 